Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. All right, guys. Welcome back to EYL episode 37. 37 in the books. Yes, yes. So before we start, we have some very exciting news. Um, you know that we are on tour right now, yeah. and um, we go into all of our major markets all over the country. So, we started in LA. Shout out to LA. Then we went to Brooklyn. <laughs> That's home. And then we went to Atlanta. That was crazy. And our most recent stop was Houston. The craziest of them all. So shout far. out to Houston, Texas, <laughs> for sure. So, next up, we are headed to the Windy City. Shot town. Chicago. What's we, going on now? We coming. We coming. So yes, yeah. nine twenty six. We are coming very shortly. Yeah. Um, nine twenty six. So. Go to our website, go to the events tab, and um, register. It's a free network meet and greet. Once again, the purpose of the network and meet and greet is not a seminar. It's not a workshop. Yeah. It is an opportunity for you to, to build with us, but more importantly, build with each other. We're going to bring the whole city out. Yeah, man. And, um, yeah, you're going to be able to network and, um, you know, pitch your business ideas and meet your real estate partners. Yeah, all, all forms of business come. Yeah, it's, it's really for you to network with people who live in the same place as you. Right, there really is no platform for that. So, network, and when we leave, you still have those connections. Nah, we, it's a it's a vibe. Yeah. It's a whole it's a whole entire vibe. Yeah. But um, okay, so yeah, Chicago, come out. We have a very exciting uh, episode. Something I'm actually excited about. I'm always excited about episodes, but this is something that I'm actually looking forward to yeah. because it's, um, it's, it's very rare we get somebody that's the first of something. 
or the the the, the biggest at something. This is this is exciting. This is good stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no for pressure. sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. So we got Kika Wise, and um, she is a legend in her own right because she is the le- the youngest female franchisor in America. Right. Don't, don't let that go over your head. <laughs> like. So if you don't know what a franchisor is, um, a franchisor is a franchise owner, but not a franchisee. This is what most people think about franchise business. They think about a franchisee. A mm-hmm. franchisee is to say, okay, Subway's is a chain. I buy a Subway. Now I'm a franchisee mm-hmm. of Subway. I, I'm an owner, but off of Subway. Subway right. is the larger company, right? So the flip side of that coin is to be a franchisor. Is that pronounced it correctly? You got it. Now you got it. You got it. And (laughs) that's when you actually own the subway. Yeah. And then people are coming under your umbrella and they're buying their franchises from you. You created the blueprint and now Mm -hmm. they're running your blueprint. We people have been asking for the franchise and we was like, okay, we can get like a a subway owner or something like that. But we figured why not just get the apple sauce from the apple orchard? There it is. And go straight to the sauce. Yeah, man. Cut out all the middlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and you should too. Yes, yes, yes. So, so yes. So, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank yes. you for having me. Yeah. Yes. So, I'll give a quick uh, rundown. So, yes. Kika has a, uh, her own studio. It's, a, it's called a, it's a stretch studio, which is different. We'll talk about it's not yoga. It's not Pilates. It's something completely different. And um, she started in New Jersey, and it became massively successful. So when she was thinking about expanding, um, she thought about you know different ways to expand, and she settled on the idea of just opening different franchises. And where she's at now is to have 12 franchises all over America, and um, the goal is to have 65 in a very short period of time. So, okay, now we got that out the way. Yeah. So. Can you give us the backstory yeah. on how the studio, how the stretch studio got started? Yeah. Yes. So thank you again. Um, <laughs> basically, I I was going to go back to school to get a master's or open up my own business um, because I had a young son at the time. So I took a poll with friends and family. Should I go back to school or should I open a business? And everyone said, you'll fail. Don't open a business. Oh, Most businesses fail, you know, they three, five, don't whatever. Never listen to them. So I was like, great. Then that's the direction I'm going in <laughs> because nobody else, they're all afraid to. So I decided to go with that. So I took my last literally $500 and I rented a small room and I printed out some brochures um, and I just ran with the idea of stretching people. Um, can, we, can we talk about the five hundred dollars? Sure. Yeah, because like it wasn't just five hundred, and like this, especially in our community, like we get a tax return, and the first <laughs> thing we think is like, what can we buy? What trip are we going on off this? You got your tax return was the five hundred dollars. Yes. And you decided <laughs> I'm gonna start a business. Right. This is the only chance I have. <laughs> Crazy. So yeah, I took it and I started the business. Um, from there, one client at a time, I built my clientele. And it slowly became a business before my eyes. Um, I studied guerrilla marketing for the first year in business. I read several books on how to market with no dollars, um, creative ways to get clients. And then it started working and I just grew my clientele. So where did you start? All right. So you had the $500. You yeah. had the idea for stretching. First of all, before we even, how did, so, all right. What's your background as far right. as 
mm-hmm. to stretch like people how does that so come about? Mm-hmm. so i so i studied at montclair state university as a dance major so i was a professional dancer i danced in the city television film for years um being an undergrad we had to take several anatomy courses that oh. were extremely boring oh. Um, but I took them anyway, had to. And so I took the knowledge that I gained as an undergrad to put towards this concept so it would be a real thing. So, okay. Um, what makes, okay. So what is your process as far as stretching? That's, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's not right. typical stretching. It's no. passive stretching. Right. right. So as a dancer, we all know that dancers are the most flexible people. Um, dancers use gravity to gain flexibility. So essentially, I replaced gravity with a stretch coach, which is the coach that you have that gives you the session. So it's based on the dancer's approach to stretching the movements, and the coach gently follows the breath pattern of the client to add the stretch. The client's completely limp. They're not holding any muscle groups. So they, the endorphins flow through the body differently. So it's a whole experience. We're the only studio that follows this process. And that's the biggest difference between yoga and Pilates, right? That's when muscles are being used. You're right? in, your muscles are engaged in yoga and Pilates. They're disengaged when you come to our studio. Most people never truly relax and let go, not even in bed. Some of my clients tell me they sleep like this, balled up. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Can, can I just applaud you? Like, I, I studied <laughs> physical education. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I'm um, a health science major. So right. to go through anatomy and to go through advanced <laughs> anatomy and to go through physics and still pursue, right. I, I'm, I'm applaud. Thank you. <laughs> like, congratulations Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a real thing um, as far as uh, a lot of time people, especially men, especially if you lift weights and stuff, like, you're very unflexible that could lead to a lot of problems yes. um like i used to i used to play basketball and i went to prep school and that's the first time i got introduced to yoga okay and um it, it was one of the best things that i ever did because so i was in a yoga class and i was like the only male it was like two males and it was everybody else was like tennis players i was in there with maria sharapova that's a different story but <laughs> in any event time. for another time yeah but in any event <laughs> so um you know it's, it's kind of like a little weird i'm like 18 years old in a yoga class but I realized that once I started to really become more flexible, everything became better. Yeah. Like people, I don't think people fully understand how the body works, but when you actually are more flexible, you can move better, you can run yeah. better, you're quicker, you're on your feet, you lose mm-hmm. weight also, it's, yeah. it's, a whole, it's a whole vibe. Yes, it is. So, all right, so you, you, you have the 500 and you have the background in, in dancing and stretching and all that, so, what do you, what's the first step that you take for the 500? You rent a room out or? So I went on Craigslist. Um, <laughs> this is real grassroots. When it, right. <laughs> when Craigslist was, you know, a different Craigslist. Um, <laughs> and I found someone renting a room. It was actually a real estate agent who wanted to share his space. So my rent was $300. He paid the other half or 200 um, And... I took the rest of the money and I printed out brochures. Those brochures I passed out in the street. I used to stand outside the space and just pass out brochures like stretching, Montclair. Hand in hand. Right. You you actually did, is this, I read this, right? So I know. <laughs> you know what's coming. Yes. Cause we're 80s babies. Right. And we grew up with this character, this green character called Gumby. Yes. And it, I read that you had a Gumby character standing outside yes. with you. I went on Amazon. <laughs> I ordered a Gumby costume. 
Oh, you were the Gumby? No. Oh, no, okay, no. okay. I was never the Gumby. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had to maintain some, you all know. Right, all right. So I hired someone to wear the Gumby costume and pass out brochures while stretching. <laughs> That's, Down that's the amazing. street. That's amazing. So, all right, that's so, guerrilla marketing. So, 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 so how quick did it grow? So as far as, so I, when I sold my first package, I made my money back. Um, the package was 500 <laughs> No, it was, I think it was like 650 at the time. Yeah, for uh, 10, 10 sessions. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so in the beginning, it took about a year to develop a baseline of clientele. Um, at the time, I had a part-time job. I was selling furniture. Um, and once I started making more than my paychecks, that's when I completely quit. So it took about a year for that to happen. So, all right. So at what point do you move out of the room? And at one point you, you had the studio, right? Yes. Yeah, so so the, the real estate agent um, would not renew my lease because he said I was using the space too much. I guess he thought, here's this crazy girl with an idea. I just want somebody to help me pay my rent. Yeah. Um, but I actually built a business out of it. It was so a house? It was in a house? No, it was in an office, okay. like an office suite. Okay. And so I was forced to find another, another space. Okay. The next space was in the basement of a Turkish restaurant, um, which I thought was dope because <laughs> it's bigger. Like I have my own space. Yeah. But in the summer, you would smell curry and onions <laughs> coming through the vents. That's a good workout. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But it was paradise for me. So that's that's actually where I built the business into a six-figure business in the basement of a restaurant. So that's when I knew I was on to something. Yeah, I mean, this, the health and wellness space is a trillion-dollar business. I think they reported yes. $4.7 trillion, not, not billion. It's trillion, trillion now, trillion. Dollar yeah. business. Did you know that going no, into it? You just said, I'm absolutely. just doing something that well, nobody's doing. You followed your passion. You're passionate about it. And so my passion was always people and making people feel good through conversation, you know, just vibes, right? But my passion was never, my passion was stretching, but my passion was never business. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur because I didn't want to fail. I, I equated failing with entrepreneurship, so I avoided it. Mm. But my son was the, the reason I got into it so that I could spend time with him and yeah. be there for his- Work-life balance. Right, so then I started to fall in love with it. So, all right, so then at what point do you get to own studio? So after I built the business in the basement of the restaurant, restaurant. right, and I I saw people were still coming, even though it smelled like curry, <laughs> I knew that I could potentially gain more clientele and cover the cost of a storefront. So I took another leap of faith and I rented the storefront. How much was your storefront rent? At the time, it was twenty four hundred a okay. month. Yeah. You know, um, a little off topic. Curry is that curry? Is it something that every it's everybody a, uses? Like Jamaicans, a, yeah. Indians. Oh, why are you doing that to us? Oh, <laughs> I know I'm getting hungry. <laughs> nah, choice Jamaican, so you know he's, yeah, uh, nah, he it's, has a special. It's, a, it's, a, it's an Indian. It's thing. like a universal spice. I mean, oh, it's an West Indian, Indian yeah. and Indian cultures for sure. Okay, definitely. I mean, yo, I mean, you eat my curry goat. This guy eats. Nah, I don't, well, eat, I don't eat goat. I don't eat goat at all. Used to. For those that don't know, yeah. Rashad is a is a member of the family, so he gets I'm, a plate at my house. I'm a pescatarian, and <laughs> now. I'm, I'm on my way to becoming vegan. Nice. So we putting all the animals down, but wow. <laughs> I don't judge. I don't judge. <laughs> all right. Okay. So you have the studio, mm -hmm. and then business starts to just really take off for you at that point, right? Yes. And then okay. So when you hit your stride, at what point did you really start to hit your stride? Where it's like, okay, this is this is something so, that is legit. Right. So after a few years. I was able to get a New York Times article feature story. How'd you get that? 
um, through Google. Um, <laughs> one of the reporters um, found me online and decided to do a story. So you, mm-hmm. you said you had the S- SEO. SEO. You mastered that, right? Yes. Can you explain SEO? What does that stand for? So again? SEO stands for search engine optimization. Okay. So you find keywords that you highlight, you pay for, so that your results show up fast on Google. Mm-hmm. So being that no one was looking for stretching at the time, I had to pay for words like gym, um, yoga, massage. And so when people would look for that, boop, we would pop up and they're like, oh, what's this? So that's kind of how we started to develop a following. How did you online? Uh, how, who, like, how much did that cost? It was $300 a month. Like a company? A company. What was, oh, okay. com- what was the company? Um, Town Square Interactive. So that so that's really that really works. SEO. It really Cause works. Cause I've seen that before, and people. I still do it. You still do it. Yeah, it really. <laughs> I'll never stop. Same price. Yeah. Same price. Oh wow. So what's the <laughs> what what? Yeah, I'm just thinking like what's the key? Word? Like what's the key to find words that it's not? Cause I, obviously it's like very popular words. It's like you know it's probably a million people using that same word. Right. Um, is it to find words that aren't really so being used that much? Or? Believe it or not, most small business owners don't use SEO as a tool. So even though you may be looking using the word gym, most gyms are not using it. So it will highlight in your area. Mm. Um, and being that we essentially started the assisted stretching movement, we were able to build our SEO campaign for years before anyone else tried to start using it. So we're like on the top, like. So of, you're already of, like ahead of the race. Right, ahead of the race, but anyone can still benefit from it. You just have to incorporate those words throughout your entire website. You'll still show up. Okay. Yeah, this is gr- guerrilla marketing. <laughs> yeah. So all right, so you have the studio and business is booming, but then you have a fire, right? Yes. All right, the studio <laughs> burns down, and you have to go into the basement of a church. Yes. Yeah, but that that was a a moment for you where you realized. You know what? This isn't about me, right? There was a gentleman that was standing next to you during yes. the fire. There was a gentleman standing next to me, and as the fl- well, the flames were gone. As the smoke is subsiding, he's like, "I just bought a ten pack of stretching sessions," and all he cared about was his investment. <laughs> but at that, because in my head, I was like, "Oh, it burnt down. I'm done. I'm just gonna, you know, chill, Shop forget being an entrepreneur. I'm done. You know, move to Hawaii, do yeah. something else." And at that moment, I was like, wow, I have clients and I have employees. I can't just shut down. So at that moment, I knew this was bigger than just me. So it motivated me on a different level. And that's actually when the New York Times reached out to us when we were in the basement of the church. It's funny how life happens. So don't stop. (laughs) God's work. Yeah, so don't stop. All right. So, okay. So you told us off camera about... um, a book that changed your life and then you you fired yourself the best thing you ever did was fire yourself. yes yes all right what does that mean to fire yourself <laughs> and how did that help you um see the bigger picture so it's called the e-myth revisited like the letter e and it teaches you how to fire yourself from the things that you do not enjoy doing in your business so that you can be the creative force behind it and not lose you know your light essentially a lot of entrepreneurs get burnt out because they try to do everything themselves mm-hmm. and they're afraid to delegate because they don't trust people um so i basically read the book and i forced myself to do everything that is said chapter by chapter and my business started making more money as i 
fired myself because I would be stretching people, answering the phones, opening the door all at the same time, stretching people. And I see an email comes in. I would love to open it, but I can't because I'm stretching. Mm -hmm. So um, I just did it and it it worked. But it had dual benefits, right? Because as you fired yourself. Right, and had to hire someone new, you had to write down the task for Procedures, that person. Procedures, right? like, oh, exactly. You're the manager. This is what you should be this doing. This is what you should do. Right. This and is what I did. Long right. term, that helps you out because now when it's time to create your own franchise, exactly. you got the business plan. It's already there. No, yeah. but everything you said with me just really resonates. Like you, it's hard to, it'll be hard for anybody to understand if they're not an entrepreneur, but you, you don't trust people. And not no, you don't trust people in a bad way, but it feels like yeah. you this is your baby. Right. And it's like you 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 know what you're doing and you've mastered it. Right. At least you think you mastered it. Right. And um it's like you don't really fully feel that somebody else can fulfill that role because they're not you. Mm-hmm. And then even if you it's gonna take you a long time to kind of teach them. Yes. So you don't really trust them in that process. Right. And, but like you said, I mean, the, the problem with that is that now you're trying to do every single thing yourself. And it gets a point in time when you just can't. It's too much it's for you impossible. to do. Yep. And um, somebody said in my business early on, I heard they said, never do anything. Never do anything that you can pay somebody else to do. Exactly. Because there's only a, there's, a, there's some things that you can only do. Right. But Absolutely. everything else can be delegated absolutely right so it's like even with us growing as a podcast that's something that we even have to put in place as far as like we are we do this as far as like interviews and stuff like that but a lot of the other stuff we don't we shouldn't be doing right like we shouldn't be editing videos like that's right. not stuff that we can do somebody, somebody else can do right but as i said that that's true for any entrepreneur so mm-hmm. but i think the biggest step that stops people from doing that is the financial obligation also because it's like okay it's a leap of faith because now it's to say it's bad enough to be an entrepreneur <laughs> and have money come in, might not come in yeah. for yourself. But now you got to pay somebody else. Now you definitely got to have money because you can't tell them <laughs> I had a bad week. You can't <laughs> pay. So how right. did that work? Like, at what point financially did you like, OK, I have enough money. I can do this. Or was that a leap of faith for you also? That was a leap of faith for the first month. I took a loss and I, I was hurt. Maybe even two months. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> you feel, you hear the pain. Um, but you have to go through that until you figure it out. And then once I figured out, okay, this is how much I need to make to cover myself uh, so I can have money. And one of the other things I did was I always had myself on payroll. A lot of people start off with not paying themselves and they're just paying everybody else, but I, ne- I still needed a job. So <laughs> putting yourself on payroll um and seeing exactly how much you have to make so i always set goals for the employees like this is the goal we have to hit which included you know my That's individual goal pay yourself yeah, no, we're, and not, we're not playing that game <laughs> that, that, that's one of my favorite lines pay yourself and owe yourself right yeah. and it just works it's you got to start slow so if you hire someone for one day a week like that's good you just start slow until you trust the process all right so all right so we got the backstory so now we're going to go into what I really, me personally, I want to hear is the why and how you built the, the franchise business and um, all of the details and in and outs yeah. behind that. All right. So now we're going to talk about um, how you built the, the business as far as to scale it to the next level. Because, okay, you have a, it's one thing to have a successful business, right? But it's right. another thing to actually open a franchise 
operation, and, and I guess that's hard to do. That's why you're the youngest one in the country, youngest female in the Ding. country. <laughs> so, so, all right, okay. It's not hard to do. It's hard to figure out yeah, if like, you don't okay. have any guidance. We've okay. been, I, you know, like, obviously, we've never – I've never met anybody that owned their own franchise. So, like, yeah. Like, yeah. who was – like, what was the guidance? Like, what, what was the mental or the moment that you said, this is what I have to do now? So, there, I was really frustrated one day. I don't remember what – was frustrating me, but I went to Barnes and Nobles and I Googled the top five uh, franchise consulting form firms and I called all five to see who would call me back first because at that point I was like, I don't want to open multiple locations. Well, can you talk about that even before? So yeah. I, I, I actually asked you that question. I'm like, what made you say, okay, instead of opening, I want to shop in Newark, I want to shop in Brooklyn, yeah. but it's going to be what made you want to just say, I want to do franchises and have other people? And I left this out. I did own um, another location at that point. Okay. So I owned two locations and I was working on three, but I was like, I don't, I can't handle it on my own. Why? So wh wh why did you, why, why did you feel you couldn't handle I it? I wanted to maintain some free time uh, for my family, for my leisure and for work. So I didn't, there's a lot of business owners who just run around all day long to multiple lo locations and then burn out at night. But I, I always wanted to leave time for myself because I felt like that's important. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want the business to overrun me. So I wanted to allow other people to open. And I realized that in the United States, you have to franchise if you allow somebody else to use your logo and your business name. Can you it's talk about franchise. that? I just found that out. So yeah. you, can't, you can't let somebody else use it unless it's a franchise. And there's a lot of people who like license um, their method, their, their stores, mm -hmm. but you actually cannot, you're not supposed to. And if you get caught, it's a, it's a big fine. Um, you have to become a franchise if they are following your trademarks, logos, and name pretty so your, much. So your, your trademark is the Kika method? Kika Stretch Studios, the Kika method. Um, oh, it's a bunch. Yeah, so yeah. I also franchise. I mean, franchise uh, Trademark. trademarked most of the trademarks myself. I just sat in front of a computer for hours. <laughs> Greatest resource. <laughs> until I figured it out, and so. Okay. So all right. So so you so you um looked at the consultant firms. Right. And what happened at that point? So the first one that called me back, um, a guy Chris Connor out of Atlanta, franchise marketing systems, and. He pitched the whole concept of working with me. Like, I think this could work. I'll be on a flight tomorrow. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. Mind you, he was the only one that called me back. Um, the other people called me back like three days later. I'm like, nah. And so he came. He looked at my studio. He, heard, he listened to the whole model. And he's like, you could definitely do this. He helped franchise Massage Envy um, and a lot of other big franchises. So, and his price was also like lower than all of the other franchise companies, 15,000. Okay. Yeah. Most of them are and, and 20 what, and up. And, and what do you get for, for that? Like he sets it up for you? Sets up the whole franchise model, the oh. FDD. Okay. FDD. All right. So, okay. So he came and then he's the one that, that set it up for you? He's the one that um, pulled the resources out of me, um, the, the procedures I had. Um, the strategies, and he helped draft the whole agreement. So, so okay. that, that you said the, the, the acronym FDD. What, what does that stand for again? Federal Disclosure Document. And that's what you have to do in order to... Yes. Mm -hmm. So to have 
to open up a franchise, right. you have to do the first thing you have to do is an FDD, right? Yes. Federal disclosure document. Yes, and you mm-hmm. do that. You do that with the United States government. Yes, and each state has its own thing, or that's national. It's the same FDD, but each state has its own um, laws as far as uh, submission. So, like right. New York, you have to submit your FDD. It has to be approved by the state each year before you can sell a franchise. New Jersey, I can just give you my FDD and have you sign up on the spot. Um, New York, they have to approve it each year. Mm. New York's always the worst in mm-hmm. everything. California. Same. Same. As same. So, uh, all right. So, what's in the FDD? So, within the FDD, it's basically like the rule book for the franchise. Like, this is what we're going to do for you. This is your role as a franchisee. This is my role. It basically puts on the table every cost that you could incur with a business like this, it discloses to the franchisee everything they would have to deal with if they decided to join your organization. Every possible element of everything. How, how long? Like how, how long is it? So mine is about like three hundred pages. Three hundred pages. Hundred. Yes. And that's what he helped you write that. Yes. So he has oh, a okay. team of people that helped put it all together. So how do you? All right. So is it like a set template to say like or? Like, how do you come up with 300 pages of items? <laughs> yeah. Or, or were you yes. using that that when you fired yourself, you had so much writing already built up? Like, what, what was I did. So within the FDD, so we do three weeks of training for e- each of the franchisees. So it lists how much time is spent on this topic in training. Like, it spells out the whole training by minutes. 30 minutes on this, 30 minutes on that. It shows you the least possible amount of money you could use to open and the highest. So there's a range. Uh, it spells out liability of the franchisor. Like, what are we liable for? What are we not liable for? Um, so once the franchisee reads it, they understand what they're getting themselves into. And once they sign it, you can't say, I didn't tell you. <laughs> you know, this is going to happen. So that... The FDD actually is the instruction manual. Yes. It's, yes. You, you don't have like another one on top of that. We yeah. do. You, we so do. what's the other one you have on top? <laughs> oh, wow. What you, what's the other one you have on top? So there's a reason Ooh. why. That, so now we know why you're the youngest one. <laughs> so, this is a process. So what's the, what's the, what's, all right. So, so we got right. the FDD. That's pretty much the whole instruction manual. So what's on top of that? So the FDD, right. is the, So legally it allows you to sell a business to someone, right? So that's the FDD. Then there's an operations manual. Mm. So that's where all my um, strategies, concepts, all of my material as far as like how to find staff, Mm -hmm. um, it's in the operations manual. So the operations manual is what teaches them what to do. So that's a whole nother document which came hand in hand with the FDD. And and once they sign that document, right? The FDD, yeah. They can't deviate from that operational agreement. No. Okay. So, how how many pages is the operation agreement? It's about two hundred. Two hundred pages. So it's five hundred <laughs> pages altogether. Yes. It's like Lord of the Rings. Book. <laughs> so okay. So how long how long did that take you to put together all of that? So, I mean, they were prepared to put it together within a month. A month. That's but all? I needed more time, so <laughs> it took me about four months. Okay. So you were? Did you actually write it yourself, or you just dictated it to them? dictated it to them so would you ever suggest somebody can do it themselves no there's some things you don't want to do yourself one of those things is mess with the law so (laughs) you you really get a professional get a professional and do your research because a lot of people rip people off just to create that document 
So you have to do your research so you know what you're getting into. All right. So now, okay. So you have the FDD done. Yes. And then you, you got approved. How, yes. long, it's how long did it take to get approved? So like once it was done, I could sell in many states. Like once it's done, here you go, Kika. Okay. You want to open in New Jersey? Great. But like do they, do they have to approve it? No. Oh, Unless so you go to a state like New York, California. So, so, oh, so you were in Montclair. Right, to the first yes. one. So if in New, Jer- New Jersey, New Jersey, Mark, New Jersey. Fortunately, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like to put one in Brooklyn now. Yes. Different. Right. Okay. Requires the state to approve it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you have the um, you have the FDD, then you have the operational agreement. So now you're up and running as far as you can. Now you can have people buy your franchise, right? right? But that's only half the battle because people have to actually buy your franchise. Yes. So. What's the process for that? How did how did you get the word out? How did you get people interested yes. in buying? Like, how did that? How was the first the first person that brought a franchise? How did that yes. happen? So I had so I owned a studio in Westfield, Montclair and Westfield. So in Westfield, I had a manager that was so amazing. She was she was doing better than I could have. And when I when you see talent like that on your staff, you have to do something about it, mm-hmm. or else they'll leave. They'll find another job. So I knew this position, like she outgrew the position. So I talked to the company I spoke to you guys about, and I was like, how do I open up the first one? Mm -hmm. How do I find people? And they talked about a pizzeria that sold their first one to their manager. They let their manager in. Mm -hmm. It was already up and running. It would be great to start with someone who knows the system. Mm -hmm. So I proposed that offer to her and her husband, and she took it. So actually, she became the first franchisee. Okay. Yeah. Did uh, we have a, a slight franchisee story? Like, twelve years ago, we tried to get into a franchise called Coldstone. Uh, oh. We said this in an earlier episode, but it was like, yo, we needed five hundred thousand, and we're like <laughs> in our twenties, and it's right. like, how are we gonna do this? But exactly. you've created a different method yes. for people who want to get into a franchisee yes. position. You want to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, so bit? yeah. Um, can you talk about that? No, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's interesting because, like he said, a lot of friends, like McDonald's, I think is the most expensive. It's like a million dollars to get Chick-fil-A, in. Chick fil A, I think, now is like. Right. See what y'all did? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out the homemade. Right. Oh, so, all right. So, um, yeah, because it's like a lot of these franchises, like a million dollars, a million and a half. Yes. And then you have to, some of the franchises, you have to buy three locations. Like you yes. can't just buy one location. You got to have like a million dollars and. In investable assets, all yes. kinds of stuff. It's not easy to open a franchise. No. Um, so, but your your model is different, right? Yes. So before we we've been talking, you have a um, you have a sliding scale of the price range, right? Yes. Anywhere from thirty to ninety. Correct. Depending on geographic it, location. Exactly. So obviously, major markets is, is more. Right. And the smaller market is less. Exactly. Because the major market is going to do more business. Yeah, right? and the and the real estate is more. Ex- in major, yeah. Yep. So all right, so. But you also have a, a income. Is it income based? Income based financing is can, what we like right. to call so it. So yeah. can, can, can you explain that? So you're coining that. I'm coining it. Someone yeah. write it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, we're gonna talk about that after this. <laughs> so, so basically, like I started with five hundred dollars. I had no net worth, right? So if if someone offered me something, they wouldn't, and it would prevent me from having the opportunity of what I've done so far. So I kind of had that in my head, like just because you have a million dollars in assets doesn't mean you're a good business owner. It really takes personality. This is a service business. So you have to have a personality. You have to be able to be likable. Um, So there's a lot of different things that would make you a good franchisee besides assets. So 
but assets over yeah assets over liabilities. <laughs> so too you can't plug. have too many liabilities <laughs> to get in but so basically it, it goes by person by person what but we look for number one people who are good with people people who um show a healthy relationship with money so even if you're making i don't know what two thousand dollars a month i'm exaggerating um but you're still saving for retirement five dollars a month that shows that you're you're you handle money well and that's the biggest thing that we look for people who handle money well because if it's five dollars versus a million dollars it doesn't matter because you're you're going to handle the business well so um we look at people's income what they currently do, um, are they saving? What does their savings look like? How much can they put up front towards the franchise? What has been their work history? What their passion is? We have a whole kind of checklist that we go over and we process it and then we approve them based on that. So who's we? So it's myself and I have a team of three other people that help with the franchise company. And then you said, um, but you guys can assist with financing too, right? Yes. So can you talk about that? So the franchise fee is $30,000. Um, however, say you have 20000 um, Usually you would never be able to own a franchise because you don't have enough money. So we might finance that other 10 for you, depending on the situation over time. So the biggest thing is there's a pool of people who are being left out of this whole franchise concept. Mm -hmm due to financial reasons. So we're making it easier for people who still have potential to get in. And okay. so, so right now you have 12 franchises, right? Yes. 11 of them are minority owned. Yes. Applause for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, you said that there's a certain demographic of franchisees that you're looking for. Why, why millennials? What, what makes them the target audience for you? It's another loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> why millennials? Well, so millennials have been told by their baby boomer parents, get a good job, um, work there your whole life, save for retirement, and that's it. You're a good person. Um, however, we know that's not the case nowadays. We're learning very most fast. <laughs> <laughs> most people, that's why you see, um, speaking, speaking of Mickey D's, right, you see 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds working there because they don't have enough money to live off of. Their retirement plan did not carry them through. So... We have these millennials who are getting frustrated within their jobs. Um, they've reached a glass ceiling and they're looking for opportunities, but nothing is there because they're solely relying on their boss supervisor to give them a raise. So what we've started doing is pitching for them to give themselves a raise through franchising. Um, and it's just a pool of people that are looking for a way out. And we've realized these are the people that we want and we're going to help guide them and show them how to do it. Powerful. Yeah, one of the good things about franchises is that it allows you to. So somebody said um, we had a guest, and he he said he saw this Chris Senegal. He said that in school they teach you not to cheat, but yes. in, in business, um, you get rewarded for cheating. Not cheating people, but like cheating yeah. as far as you see what somebody else has done and you copy that. Right. Right. Like I should use that word, copying, not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you get rewarded for copying. Right. right? You, you you copy somebody's paper in, in class and you get kicked out of school. Right. You copy a business and you become a millionaire. Right. So that's what it does. It is it, it saves the, the, the learning curve. And like yeah. you said, I mean, 97 percent or 95 percent of businesses fail. So if you already have a successful business, your odds of being successful is a lot higher. Right. Than just starting out from scratch. Right. Absolutely. And as you said, I mean, you have 500 pages of a system that's already in place as opposed to just trying to wing it 
and start yourself. Right. And it could be very lucrative too, because you were saying like some of the, um, your locations like well over six figures, right? Yes. Um, so, it, yeah. So those are all the pros. I did a commercial for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We'll, so, we'll send that to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So what's the revenue model like as far as how do, um, how do you make money off of the, the franchise? Right. So we collect the franchise fees up front or through our income-based financing program. <laughs> um, and then we collect royalties each month, 6% royalties off of their gross income. So the benefit of doing a percentage is that if they, it encourages us to make sure they're making money because if they don't make money, our 6% is very small. Um, if they're being very um, lucrative and successful, our 6% is much larger. So we're constantly coaching them and helping them make more. What I like to tell my franchisees is that they'll always make more money than me. Mm-hmm. So it puts them in the mindset of, oh, you're right. Yeah. This is my thing. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say is we look for people who have currently been working for other companies as employees and putting their all into their job, not but not getting anywhere. So it's a mindset switch. This is the hardest thing to get them to understand. If you work just as hard for yourself, mm-hmm. you'll make money. Yeah, it's like what you, you said, like their success is your success. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, so how, how long is the agreement? How long does that last? It lasts for 10 years. So it's a 10-year period? Yes. Okay. And then, okay. So, all right. So, okay. I want to open a franchise. I meet with you. I get approved. It costs 30000 Let's say I give you 30000 And then I, um, I, you get some help too, though, right? Like, what, what's the, what after that? You said you um, provide training. So, and what, yeah. what else do you provide? So that includes three weeks of initial training. Um, 10 years of support um, and from Monday through Friday, constant support. So what is the support? Like website support? Website support, um, publicity. We provide graphics for the franchisees to use. Mm-hmm. We provide the t- like basically every tool you can think of. With the SEO for their locations. Yeah, so they're not going to Staples like you do. They're not <laughs> going to Staples. They're much more sophisticated than I ever was. Okay. Right. And then as your as your brand grows, obviously too brand recognition. That's that's brand another recognition. Plus, that's another plus of being a it's franchise huge. owner. So okay, yes. so now I pay you the thirty thousand, I get the shop, I'm making ten thousand a month, I give you six hundred, I keep ninety four hundred, and that's finance. That's how, that's how yeah. it goes. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. And then for the people that are financed, so the people that don't have all of the money up front that you finance or your company finances, how do they pay you back over the course right. of time? So we work out an agreement, um, 24 months, 32 months, it depends, of whatever the balance is broken up over time. So they would pay that balance and then they would pay the 6%. Interest added to it? <sighs> of course. Got to do that. It <laughs> depends on the situation. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so that was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so email to find out. <laughs> Don't worry, so they're, they're gonna be hitting one you thing. Up. I, one thing I always wondered about having like a franchise, like even like a McDonald's who has millions of franchises all over the world. How do you know if somebody's like deviating from like you sending spies in there to like check on people? Like, how do you know? Like, yes. you, know, you might have <laughs> short answer. Really, that's what you're doing. We send out secret shoppers. Um, we actually just did that to two studios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And they were very, they were surprised. Um, and also with social media nowadays, you can, like, we spot stuff sometimes, like, bro, why are they wearing a pink shirt when they're you're supposed to wear a black shirt, you know? Mm. 
things like that. But we we focus. It's like its own little department. We focus on that. Just making sure that. Yeah. So all right. So what's the process? Is like okay, you have like you mess up too many times and you're done. Yes, that's also in the FDD. Okay, three strikes you're out. It's yeah. It's basically three, three strikes, strikes you're out. Yeah. Okay, and then so you strip them of using the name and all that. You stuff? can yes. This is important for people to know because it's like. Like I said, I mean, I I, didn't, I don't know this stuff, so yeah. I, I, right. It's, it's it's like if you want to start a franchise, it's good information. Like you know, you yeah. you, you got to know everything that you you need to know before you go into business because you got to expect every possible case scenario right. of what could what could possibly happen. You have to be the type of person that is okay with running with something that already exists, right? Yeah. You can make it your own because there's a lot of wiggle room. You can choose who you hire. You can choose. Um, business perks that you would give your clients but you have to be willing to follow an existing model so if you're the type of person to take something and just completely rip it apart because you just want to do your own thing then franchising is not for you so would you consider a franchise owner as an entrepreneur or a manager Mm, good question both Um, because that's essentially what we're doing what I do manage the locations on a higher level to ensure that they're following our systems. Mm -hmm. So as far as me as the franchisor, I have monthly calls with each studio. Uh, I'll fly out a few times per year to like visibly see it. Just so the biggest thing about my job is making sure it's just like my little studio in Montclair. We're all the same. We're all because we have clients that travel from state to state and they expect the same experience. And because it's a service business, you know, people are very verbal <laughs> about if they're dissatisfied. Um, but so far, we've been doing a really good job through reviews and things like that right. on Google. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the next segment, we're going to go into scaling and um, how you going to blow this thing out of the water. All right. So now we're going to go into the next level of business as far as we explain the whole process of how you got started. Then we explain how you set up the franchises. Now we're going to talk about how you, you're growing the franchises. But before we go there, so we, we kind of briefly talked about it, but we didn't really fully go into it. So mm-hmm. you have a system in place to um, to hire or to work with uh, minority uh, business owners, right? Yes. For your franchise. Is that something that you just do as an eye test or is that like a system that you have in place to kind of like, like a, What's it? The Rooney Rule in NFL? Oh, yeah, yeah, where they have to interview. <laughs> yeah, you're familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah, if anybody has not, the NFL, they have to, if they, whenever they're hiring a general general manager, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. they have to They have to pick uh, um, an African-American as one of the candidates. They don't have to hire them. Or anybody, any minority. It could be Hispanic as well. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A minority as one of the people that they interview. Yeah. So, I say that to say, do you have something like that in place, or is it just something like you're just actively looking for? Yeah, so it's organically grown like that um just starting from instagram and people like what she's a franchisor (laughs) um doing more research into what i'm doing and they see someone that looks like them um so i think that's what's helped grow grow it so far it's just been organic yeah because it's needed because this um i forgot the the exact percentage but it's a very low percentage of uh I don't even want to use the term minority. It's, I never really like yeah. that word. It's just so broad ranging and it's not really completely accurate. It's a different conversation for a different day, but yeah, yeah. it's for African-American, right? It's a very low percentage of African-American 
franchise owners, franchisees, owners, and especially franchisors. Yeah, it's like important. me and two other people, in, right? In the whole country. Yeah. It's yeah. like three people in the country. Yeah. So it's needed. It's right? needed. It's, it's something that um, because we need more in in every area, but especially in this area as well. So yes. I think it's a great thing that you're doing. And um, yeah, kudos to you on that. Thank for sure. you. Yeah. For sure. So, all right. So you have 12, you have 12 uh, locations right now, right? Yes. Where are they located? So Montclair, Westfield, New Jersey, Morristown, New Jersey, Summit, New Jersey. Do you want me to just say you state? Like, well, it's state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, nah, it's going to take too long. New Jersey, Florida, um, Texas, Atlanta, Pennsylvania, and we're working, working on Nevada and Maryland. Okay. So you have 12 right now. So you your goal is to have 65 by when? Five years? Five years. So how do you grow from 12 to 65? So far, it's just been word of mouth um, and just showing happy people, like success stories. Um, it's important. Like, I never like to sell something that I didn't believe in. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hard on myself, my model. And I'm like, do I believe this? Because if I don't, nobody else will. So when I have a franchisee who's successful and they're making money, then they post about it and then other people get encouraged by it. So um, our strategy has just been word of mouth so far what so what type of locations are you looking for a and then b as far as inventory what is needed to be put in into one of your studios i know you started with a, a ball and a mat yeah but i know we've grown since oh yeah so what, what we type have of a things? full supply list now <laughs> yeah, what, what, what are the things um, that you need to so yeah basic operational equipment like phones computers um we have a retail area that consists of, um, like we sell CBD products, we have branded material, um, we have these amazing gel socks that no other studio has that you put your foot in and it's like squishy gel that um, has essential oils and things like that. Um, we also have mats that have measuring systems on it. So we track clients' results. So we, uh, there's another trademark, Kika stretch age. Mm -hmm. So when you come in, we'll actually tell you how old you are flexibility wise. Ooh. Oh yeah, I did that before. And we I track did that for it. breathing once. They said I was 65, <laughs> I was 22. <laughs> that's, that's when I discovered I had and we, asthma. <laughs> right, and we track it. So we're giving clients measurable results. And that's why they keep coming back. Um, as far as locations, storefront, it could be second floor. The thing is, if you don't have street level visibility, you just have to have visibility in other ways, um, marketing, um, online presence. So we teach them how to market and be successful based on their location. How, how, um, what's the pricing model? So it ranges from $50 to $90 like, so per session. Oh, so you don't do monthly memberships? We do not do monthly memberships. So, so that, is that the packs? Gyms. <laughs> why? Yes. why? That's the packs. Yes. Why, why, why don't you do monthly memberships? So we do. We work on a package system. So people buy packages of five or ten. Um, so that's what we market pitch. Why do you? Why do you? Yeah. Why? Why packages as opposed? That's interesting because yes. every gym that I've been to has always been monthly. Monthly memberships, so, right? And everybody usually the, the idea with the monthly subscription is that. People don't really cancel monthly things, and it keeps. It's a way. It's an ongoing revenue. Whereas you right. might pay a package. It's like one time. Then I might not come back mm -hmm. until July. So that's interesting. Yes. Why do you? Why do you think that the package is better than the monthly? So we've actually done the numbers, like with our competition who does memberships. And so once you sell a membership, 
once the person cancels, it's done. You lost the customer. But if you sell a package, so we sell a package on their first visit, mm -hmm. they come nine more times feeling like they're just walking in the door not paying anything. Mm -hmm. We show them measurable results in between, and then when it's time to re-up, we're like, look how far you've gone. Would you like to purchase another package? Yeah. Yes. Um, they become addicted to it. We've done the numbers, and we make more than half <laughs> we we make double what the studios make when they only solicit memberships. So because so, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. no. So I, I'm I'm thinking in my head. I'm trying to envision this. So when I go in, I have an individual trainer each session that I go. Yes. So like, if there's how many customers are you seeing at a time in a day? So we have the studios have three to four rooms. So three sessions at a time. Maybe it's two. On good days, it's four sessions at a time. Okay. Okay. That makes each sense. hour. So okay. So psychologically, they, they pay the fifty dollars. It's fifty dollars for how many classes, sessions? One <laughs> per session. So per session. Oh, per session. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you pay you pay two hundred and fifty dollars right. for ten sessions. Right. And you said that um, they don't feel like they're paying after they paid up front. Psychologically, yeah, it's less of a mm -hmm. blow for ten weeks. Right. And as opposed to just paying every single month right yeah. and so we've built like i built the system on that years ago and then when the whole membership phase came i questioned it but we did surveys with all, all of our clients and they're like nah i wouldn't i would just cancel it at some point mm. so we have the same clients that we've had for the past eight years so all right but how regular do people come in once a week okay so yeah. it's not a, a scheduled thing where i can just come once if i do 10 sessions I can come once a month or you can schedule it how you how you want okay, but we recommend that you come once a week in it's, the beginning it's only classes it's one-on-one -on -one, no classes one-on-one oh, one one-on-one on one? One, on one. one instructor one person yes so what's the time frame that you have for that so we do 25 minute sessions 45 minute sessions and 60 minute sessions like what like but all day all day so who who is your obviously you guys are going to grow like i you're set to do this. Who was your direct competition? Who was coming into the space since you've been doing it? Oh, this is a good who, story. Who is, who was in the in that space before you? I don't like there was was so, anybody. Yeah, no one was in the space before me. People thought I was crazy, of course, right? <laughs> so there's a company um, <laughs> that actually flew out and approached me when we had the fire to attempt to buy me out. What happened was a big company. They own a cycling studio, Pilates, and they were looking for stretching. Um, so it was me or another company. And so I met with the guy. He was like, oh, blown away. Of course, we signed an NDA, um, non-disclosure <laughs> agreement. Yes. Um, but I was, I was able to chat with him and get in his mind about what they were looking for as far as like acquiring a company. So basically, the buyout was really low and they would give you um they called it an owner salary mm. or a founding member salary and that's all you would get you would not own the franchise company they would um so of course i declined and they went with my competitor um so we both started scaling at the same time and actually that's the i just remember that's one of the reasons i did decide to franchise because i saw they were about to franchise so i was like i have to yeah, do you think that the offer was low be due to the fact that you're an African-American woman? Mm, um, I, 
I was going to say, I hope so, because it was so <laughs> low. Like, that, I can't imagine. But I have no idea. But the fact that I would not own the franchise yeah. is why it was like, hmm, nah, I can't just receive a check. So, okay. Uh, how much was it? 250 a year. That was a buyout? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, this is very interesting. Before taxes. <laughs> because, all right, so you're doing one-on-one, right? I've never yeah. I've never heard of a gym that does that before. But does that limit you as far as the growth? Because how many people can you actually, how many, like, how many rooms are running? Yeah, so each location has, like, three to four rooms. Okay. So, yeah, do you think that, that um, have you ever thought about opening it up? Because, like, yoga, right? And when I go to yoga, it's like 20 people, 30 right. people, 40 people sometimes, like huge. And obviously, you, the more money, the more people. Right, the more people. But obviously, it's better to get one-on-one. Right. That's great. So have you ever thought about expanding and, and having more people in classes, like actual classes? So, we, yeah, we tried to – we did the classes, and then we would pitch, like, oh, try a one-on-one session. And so people from the class would try the one-on-one and never go back to the class. Mm. It was a different experience. Um, so if we have four rooms that are fully booked, it's more, if not the same amount of money, a huge class would take in. Because it's, it's, they're paying Our higher. Price point like higher is price higher. Point, higher price point. Our, yeah. All right. Well, that's important for people to understand because you got to know your price points. You got to know, yeah. it's, you know, it's different ways to make money, right? It's, yeah. like, um, it's like clothes, right? You can make money if you're Target and you're selling jeans for $5. Right. Or you can make money if you're Saks Fifth and you're selling exactly. jeans for five hundred. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're gonna sell less pair of jeans at Saks Fifth, but it's a higher price point. Exactly. You're gonna sell more pair of jeans at Target, but it's a lower price point. We also we let our clients share their packages with friends and family, so the packages run out faster. Mm-hmm. That's the whole so. Strategy. Who, who's the Target um, customer? Is it like yeah. wealthy people, higher income? Probably higher income so, people, right? So we have young athletes whose parents are like A type personalities who want their kids to be the best. The best of the best. The best of the best. <laughs> so we have eight year olds <laughs> that mm. come. We have busy professionals, millennials, who have great jobs, um, but their bodies are shutting down. So they come to us and we have baby boomers. So right now, all, all the companies are focusing on millennials. How can we engage millennials? Millennial, I don't know why people are so obsessed with millennials. <laughs> I'm a millennial. <laughs> we're not, we're cool, but I'm just saying like, but people have forgotten baby boomers. So we've captured that audience with our business and now they're all, we're, what we sell is youth. We sell youth. Okay. Yeah, and you have something that's measurable. So that, yes. that's important. So too. they like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's dope. That's dope. So, all right. So what's next? Um, how can the people contact you? Uh, if they want to open up a franchise, they want to partner with you at it. What's the deal? Well, your information. So what's next? So we're working on expanding into other states. Um, We're just trying to have a local Kika stretch in major communities as a center for people to just feel good. I wish I brought my my mat. You're going to have to come after this. Um, But just basically helping to improve people's quality of life. So being that everything is about machinery and technology, we've forgotten the importance of human touch and humans. So we're gonna constantly provide a human experience no matter what throughout the time of technology. Um, so they, you can contact me on Instagram. Let me say it real slow. So it's Kika I am. So K-I-K-A-I-M. 
Um, you can email franchise at kikastretchstudios.com for more information. And we're just looking to change lives, really. Um, closing the gap and just helping people gain generational wealth, starting with us today. That's dope. Powerful That's dope. Thank you. Thank you for coming thank again. Yes, Troy, thank you for Troy, me. got some housekeeping. Yeah, out. yeah. I wanted to give a, a big shout out to everybody on Patreon. Y'all know that that's our Proud to Pay program. We had some new members. Uh, shout out to Patrick, Chad. Shout out to Demarcus. He, he joined in at uh, Tier 5. Uh, so we're going to be talking to him a few times this month. Shout out to David and Kimberly and Sheffield out in D.C. Uh, Chef, we, we let you in on a, on a few secrets that, of things that we got coming up. So shout out to you. Um, so patreon.com backslash earn your leisure. Uh, you can join at any tier you'd like. It's five different tiers. And like I said, it's just a way to support the podcast financially so that we can do things um, like travel to cities and do more of our Hometown Hero series uh, that we that we recently released. Shout out to everybody that's person that emerged. Shout yeah. out guys that asked us for liabilities. That's on our number one shirt. Um, I think I got the, the podcast shirt. So thank you to everybody that's been supporting. Yeah, the merch, and we got some new merch coming out as well. Yeah. Um, and also our YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes channel. And LinkedIn, also, we uh, just got on LinkedIn. So uh, connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, so we're on all social media platforms now, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And um, the book uh, the book tip of this week will be the book that changed your life, uh, The E-Myth Revisited. Um, and that's the book that you told us where you, you started firing yourself. Yes. So, yeah, check it out. Um, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.